Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here. Before we get into our interview, previewing the inner Miami that you guys have come to expect, uh, we've got a excellent, excellent uh, guest, Franco P- uh, Paniso from Miami Total Football. Uh, joins us, gives a good interview, talks a lot about Miami that you'll definitely want to listen to. Before we get into that, we have to cover the Spirits, air quotes, home game that happened. Uh, John can't even see my air quotes because I didn't have my video on, but you definitely can't see my air quotes. There we go. Just know that 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 is meant in, in, uh, in sarcasm, even though it'll go down as a home game. They played the game in Houston, and the Spirit walked up with their first win of the season. Totally, totally never in doubt. Never, yes. uh, not from both uh, before the game, during or after the game was all the, all it was always going to be a win. So that's that's yep. good. Yeah, no, no controversy, no nothing. None. Uh, let's let's uh, so so you 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 before we started recording, you brought up the expected goals. Uh, give us those numbers. Uh, give us those numbers if you yeah, if you still have we, them offhand. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Pretend you didn't watch the game, and just this is what I was telling you. Imagine the team that you were playing had a two point five five expected goals. Uh, you had a 1.13, uh, and uh, one of those teams that won uh, is is not the one with more. And uh, Washington had a 12% chance of winning uh, this game based on their shots alone. Uh, and uh, you know what? They did it anyway. They did it with 10 players. <laughs> they did it uh, having an away game in a different time zone and different state. Uh, and they did it with a referee who was uh, what did I call it in the in the wrap up? I think just I think uh, unpredictable. I think was the was the nice thing I called her. Uh, sort of erratic, maybe would be another way to say it. So so I'll have to go back and look at who the who the referee was. I, I wonder if the quick change in because I mean these ref, I mean they're, they're they're paying these referees you know probably more than I make you know the. 50 bucks I make, you know, doing a center for a, a U14. I hope they are. Goodness gracious, I hope they are. Uh, probably make a little bit more money for for doing the professional games. Is that games. per game? Uh, so it, it varies. That's it pretty var- good. It depends on the level. I get why you do it now, Ted. That's pretty good. <laughs> it, varies, uh, it varies on the level that you do it. But um, uh, but I imagine they're, they're getting paid pretty well. But I wonder if that was the original designation for the referees and they had to scramble to find other referees because there were a lot of things weird, uh, a lot of offside calls. I actually went back and look, I'm not sure. I know there was a, a, um, there was a, uh, a dash goal that Richard day. I think, uh, Rachel Daly put in, uh, that was called offside. And she was saying either that she wasn't offside or that the, Ball going off the keeper negated her offside. I actually went back and looked at the laws, and I think the laws do state, and I hope I'm right about this, otherwise this is going to look really bad, uh, that a deliberate save by the keeper does not indicate a new series of play. That is the one thing that – that uh, so if, if basically if there's a shot and the keeper saves it and the player is still in an offside position – uh, then it does not count. I'm sure someone will correct me and tell me I'm wrong and I'm an idiot and oh my goodness, you're a referee. But I, I'm going out on a limb there. I, please I send at the your really please send quickly. your Ted as an e- idiot emails to <laughs> rfkrefugees at gmail.com. But uh, but there was a lot of things like that. I think at one point uh, on the end line, the ball like very clearly went over the line, and the referees just kind of let play continue. And I think you can hear the Houston coach just kind of like laughing about it. Um, l- let's get into the I guess the main story of the match is Andy Sullivan's. I think she had two fouls in that entire match. Yeah, very and she got a yellow there. card for <laughs> for both fouls. 
Uh, Let's talk about the first one. I don't know how much intent she had on that first one. I think the yellow was was strictly for denying sort of a a buildup. So the referee gives the yellow. Um, The the. I feel like it's common sense at that point. Even if you see something that may be a yellow, a a warning is more appropriate. Um, and there was uh, there was no intent from Andy Sullivan. I thought in that play, she was trying to clear the ball, miss hits is late, uh, and the foul. And in, in most cases, I've seen referees, especially on a player that's yellow, be like, "All right, that's that's it. You're on a yellow. Be careful." Right. It's critical thinking um, time at that point. Yeah, because you. I mean, you. I mean, it didn't end up, I guess, I, maybe it doesn't change the outcome of the game at all. Uh, if Maybe the, the spirits will find a way. But at that point, you're thinking you've 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 inserted yourself into this game. And, you know, a player that has not been, you know, fouling recklessly. There were plenty of plenty of Houston players uh, that were uh, being very physical in this game. Let's to say the least. Nichelle, so. Nichelle Prince uh, snapped Kelly O'Hara in half in the in the 90th minute. <laughs> Just, just, yeah. just fold her up like an accordion. <laughs> I think someone. I think one of them like, uh, uh, like picked them up on like the the top and like ran them into a table at one point. I'm pretty yeah. sure I saw that. Yeah, the, like, I dropped think, them. I think WWE Prince came down from the Raptors with a bat and some makeup. I don't know. It was a very, very uh, WWE situation. But she and if you watch the replay too, after that foul, Kelly O'Hara is walking back. You again, you can't see it because this is not going to be a video podcast. But Ted will see it. And Kelly was just like, really. Really? Come on. Really? Like he should, <laughs> and just walking her up the field. So uh, it was. It got a little. Uh, you know, there were one, two, three, four. There were six yellow cards given in that game, and I think there could have been ten. Yeah, I even looked. I think there was a. I think there was a tackle on. Um, on. Uh, I forget whether it was uh, Ashley Sanchez or Trinity Rodman or one one of the players where I was like, you could if VAR exists. It was um, Trinity. It was Trinity because he was on the end line and she was laid in a crumpled heap afterwards. I wrote. I wrote in the uh, the the wrap up on on the website is that if there if there's any if there's any justice right now that Kelly O'Hara and Trinity Robin have giant ice baths that they're hanging out in between before <laughs> they go to because they uh, they were they were under siege the entire game and I think they were both coming in with carrying injuries too. So this was yeah. they really had to get it out and they were they were I don't know if they were targeted but they were certainly they were certainly facing it. So let's uh let, let let's let's talk about let's let's go to the goals. We actually yep. have we have goals to talk about. Um, let's start with the the first the first goal uh, coming from Houston. Uh, kind of a bad uh, defensive giveaway. It was very clear at the beginning of the game that you know Houston was going to sit back, absorb pressure, hit on the counter, um, and and the Spirit were going to try to possess, pass, move the ball. I think before the game they said that uh, they that Richie Burke wanted you know sixty percent possession and and wanted a certain number like he wanted to see cert- certain of those things, uh, and they were doing that in the first half. They were passing, moving the ball. I felt it was you know again I, I get into the, the habit of sometimes I don't like this step style of play because you tend I think you move slowly and teams are able to sort of react and if you if you don't know when to move quickly into into and have the players with the skill set to do it. Uh, to, to, to maybe pick up that pace, then you're just going to be kind of predictable. And that's very, like, you can give the ball all you want. That's going to be very easy to defend. So, um, yeah, Nichelle Prince was torching the back line all night yeah. long. The The play was the same. It was from, it was from deep line midfield. They would play a ball uh, diagonally across the back line and let Prince run, run past a static or even a moving defender. Kelly O'Hara got singed a number of times. Uh, it was there. Were, really, there was no defenders. That Sam Staub had, didn't 
didn't do great with that. Emily Sonnet didn't do great with that. Hooster did well. Hooster did well uh, pretty much all night everywhere on the field. She continues to amaze me as a player that I feel like continually year to year, they're like, all right, we're going to bring in somebody else at right back. Uh, all right, we're going we're gonna to move her to midfield. Uh, and it always it, it, she just does well wherever she's at in the field, and they can't take her off. She just continues to, to to provide value. But in this goal, it was really just a matter of like you were talking about needing to quickly react to uh, the ball going the other direction. So reverse skate happened quickly, uh, and they just blasted right past her uh, and then put and put it in the net with a header from you know three or four feet. Yeah. So then you're thinking, uh, you know, you're you're getting the. Oh, you know, oh crap, here we go again. And, and, and the, the backdrop of this being a, a home game and taking place in Houston, you're thinking more drop points. Uh, this team is, is sliding down the, the table now. Um, they, they have a home game, fortunately, next, uh, I think next week at Audi Field, which is a very, yep. very good thing. Um, but you're thinking like, you know, this is going to become the narrative. What happened at this game had been at home. What happened this game had been in a place where the team was comfortable. Um, so... Uh, so then we get to uh, then we get to around I, th- I think it was the 20, 21st minute twenty first minute yep twenty first minute boom right on the money right seriously how do you like me blackjack now? how do you how do you like me now uh, I I this this goal I think exemplifies we I've been waiting for a moment where Ashley Sanchez kind of really shows because uh, I I think you know she had an okay Challenge Cup uh, not a strong start to the season. And I almost got furious with her on that on this play because she I thought she did a, a bad first touch, put herself way out of uh, pretty much took away any sort of positive angle that she had. Uh, but she shows that she's got incredible talent and plays the ball beautifully over the top. Uh, my wife called it all right. And I and I gave her a look like that. that that's an incredibly hard shot to make. I don't care who you are, uh, but a really, really nice goal from her. Good to see her have a moment, uh, sort of, uh, getting, getting a goal. Uh, what did you, what did you think of the, of the tying goal? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just read what I wrote this morning. Aside from the goal, Sanchez had an uneven game. She undoubtedly has mm-hmm. talent and can elevate herself to do something that no one else on the field can do. Once she can keep her levels up for an entire 90 minutes, she will be impossible to play against and the spirit will have a dangerous player on their hands. As she gets there though, scoring these goals are nice too. So I, I think, you know, it depends. I think it's a lot. Of, I think it's mental. I think it's I think it's mentality yeah. and it's focus because what you'll often see this didn't happen this game. What you'll often see is 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes, she will not impact the game. They will go into halftime and they will come back. Sometimes there's a tactical change, but other times it's just about the way she's playing and she gets mm-hmm. on the ball more and she controls play and she becomes a factor. So that to me says it's not physical. It's it's not necessarily tactical. It's about where her head is at from from the jump. And I think that. You know, you you were talking about it before. Like the, there are there are there are comparisons to other DC United players of the past. There's comparisons to players that you've seen that can just they will give you a little taste of something magic that if they could only do it all the time, they would be unplayable. But yeah. they don't. They 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 they. But she's so young. She has yet yeah. to have a, a full season at the pro level. She's had a she's had a interrupted first season, and now she's getting an opportunity every week to be. And also, she's not in anyone's shadow. There's no Rose Lavelle in midfield. She is. Mm-hmm. She's the woman for 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 lack of a. That's that's what she's she's doing that right now. So, and, and I think I think we saw in the in the Louisville game, and I don't think I brought this up. Uh, I think what uh, what Richie Burke is doing. She was playing kind of high up the field in the Challenge Cup, and she's kind of moved back, and now she's more in a um, in a in a sort of as the number ten. Uh, she's playing as sort of that creative midfielder. Uh, she's playing a little further back from the front line. 
And I think that is helping her game. She she had a very, very strong game against Louisville. She was one of the better players out there on the field. Um, and I think she had a strong game this time. I think there is still, there, there, there are times, I, you know, I think she had one shot that sailed above the bar. Uh, there was a couple other opportunities where I thought maybe if she finds that pass, uh, it can be better. Uh, there's a little bit of, it's not the, not not full, not full Lucho, but I think there are some Lucho type tendencies I'm seeing <laughs> Lucho from her. Lucho Lucho has tendencies, and I think I brought that up before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Trinity Rodman didn't really have a, a strong game. I guess she's the other one to, to to watch. I thought she did some nice things, uh, incredible dribbling ability. Um, but I, I think I, I I didn't see there there wasn't a, a specific moment. I guess I can really identify uh, where she where she got a good opportunity. Yeah, um, she her so. her danger. You know, it's weird to me. Like her skill set is so varied. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and it's interesting for a player of her age and a player playing in the position she is. She is incredibly dangerous and valuable having the ball with two people on her on the sideline, on the end line, trying to break press pressure. She can dribble past people. She has body to hold people off. Uh, you know, scoring goals is great, and, and the runs she makes are fantastic, and that's all That's all good. It's that she has this complete skill set, this physical skill set. I think if you talk to Richie all the time, her level that she needs to still improve is tactical and fitness it's not it's not the the physical skill set she's got that naturally it's just there and grant she hasn't even she didn't even play a full college career and that and she's already with she's already yeah. at that level she is so really it's a it's just about time and reps and and her staying healthy and figuring out a way to protect her because they are i think because she is so comfortable on the ball and she is so good at evading pressure she's going to get kicked to death so they've got to figure out a yeah. way to make sure that she can get move the ball on and, and run away and go go towards goal so that where they can't kick you and, and i think i think what we saw from this game is we saw um we saw that's what that's the dashes uh strategy was to just make be physically imposing on her and to prevent her from from being able to do what she can do well and it it worked to a certain extent so i think that's going to be something to watch this year can she uh can she bring something else to her game can she get around that and still still make it impact and um i i think i, I i'm willing to write off a lot of like poor performance in this game because i'm sure this is like your third road game you thought finally you're going to be at home now you got to get up and travel. So I'm, yep. I'm writing off um, a couple of performances. Uh, so we have the Andy Sullivan red card. We talked about that. So then we're thinking, okay, at that point, it's like, hold on for dear life. One 40 one. minutes. 40 minutes to forty minutes to keep a point, basically. There was, I believe, a, there was a sub pretty early on, I think, that... Um, Natalie, that Jacobs, Burke, Natalie Jacobs came in for uh, Tara Macchione, uh, getting, yeah. her first, getting her first start. Um, oh, so yeah, that, what we... We got to talk. We, she she's been the newcomer, uh, getting her first start. Pretty pretty incredible. Pretty awesome to see. Uh, how what did you make of her? I, I can't remember anything specific that she did. I didn't either. Not, no, I think I think yeah. the the first half was not was about build up play more than forward play for me. Uh, Ashley Hatch mm-hmm. also did not make a big impact in in the first half for me. Um, so I don't I don't think just the way the game was going, she didn't get an opportunity to really make a mark up. I'd love to watch the game again and see if uh, I missed something with her. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, good first shift didn't didn't really put it. I didn't see her do anything wrong. But it was it was interesting that sort of Natalie Jacobs is an interesting player because for the spirit she has played right back, she's played she's played higher up in the midfield. She's played on the right. I think she's played on the right side of midfield. And now she's was in this particular case was playing uh, deeper lying midfield. 
and 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 we'll we'll just transition her to the next part. She was key, and that she was she made that goal happen. So yep, in the did. in the what minute was that? I don't want to get that minute wrong. Seventieth, I believe, seventieth minute. Seventieth minute. The game uh, really kind of did come out of nowhere. The pressure obviously was on for Houston at that point. They didn't look super dangerous, but they had a couple of chances where Bledsoe, Bledsoe made a couple of very nice saves uh, in close. Uh, but she is uh, in a very deep position uh, in the midfield. Picks a ball up over the top. You know, uh, Stoke on a, on a rainy day style over the top uh, long ball, and ha- and Ashley Hatch runs runs it down, does a Fernando Torres like against Barca in the Champions League dribble around, <laughs> and and, uh, and and placed it in the net, and and a two one lead that sort of came out of nowhere. I think yeah. that Houston Houston accused Houston accused the team uh, the spirit of parking the bus and was basically calling them on sporting in their post game, and I was like get out of here with that. A they were not until they got a red card. B, if a, they were parking the bus, they scored and they beat you. So shut up, shut up about that. A, yeah, you're down to ten men. What do you? What else? You want them to go forward? B, you guys were parking the. That's what that was y'all's mess method for the first like 20, 30 yep. minutes of that game was yep. to sit back and absorb pressure. Yeah, get out. Sour of, grapes. Yeah, Sour no. grapes. I was. I think I. I think I posted a gif to make fun of it. So I was. I was not. I was not impressed. Uh, I'm ready for a rival with the spirit. I want a, I want a team. I want a team to dislike. Yeah, who we so hate. Maybe we gotta find out who we hate. Maybe, <laughs> we're new. Maybe, we're maybe we're new here. We gotta find somebody to hate. <laughs> well, I think there needs. I mean, other. I mean, I guess other than Portland and, and OL Rain, I, I don't think because that's just a natural Portland Seattle um, rivalry. I don't know if there are any like you know specific like NWSL rivalries yet. Have we had time for that to even like develop? And I think even that. I don't know if you saw this week that uh, Megan Rapino scored against Portland. And she 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 can't and she basically was like WWE style healing in front of the fans, like giving them like the rowdy rowdy piper ear in front. They, she was like <laughs> she was like boomy. You need to hate me. The problem here is I come here and you love me, but I'm playing against you and I'm trying to beat you. So you need yeah. you need to hate me and I'm gonna make you hate me. And I was like, cool, <laughs> I like it. That 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 is something that I think the NWSL. I'm I'm hopeful that is something that evolves as these teams stick around. I think the large problem is is that there there hasn't been a um, a a a in you know a women's league that stayed around for long enough for the for those types of things to develop. I, I went out the games and it's it's very much still it's 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 very much about the players that are out there. People go to Spirit. I we I think I went to Spirit versus Rain game and most people out there to see Megan Rapino. Right. Uh, and, I think the player movement Fishlock doesn't help either. I think I think yeah. the fact that players are moving all over the place with new teams forming and moving around does not give you the ability to sort of like set down roots and be like, I am, I, I miss, I miss spirit. I guess that's uh, Houston's that, but as far as yeah. other than that, there is, there, there aren't those players for teams. So I think, I think and, as, as the team, as the league grows, more teams becomes more stable. They don't need to have, although like MLS, early MLS, they're going to have to have stupid expansion drafts every year for like a million <laughs> years. So I don't, maybe my, maybe my thing will be 15 years down the road, but. I, I think the important thing, the important thing with anything, I, I, I subscribe to, to the Jason Davis, theory of soccer teams, which is just to exist. Be, be a part of that community. Be there. You start to develop more of those local ties. I think the spirit have seen a boost um, in, in attendance and, and, and sort of in sort of fandom uh, in, in the past uh, few years. So I think that's something that'll come, but uh, the spirit uh, don't have much time to rest. They play Sunday against the almost, no time. <laughs> almost no time. Yeah. They got to do another travel, uh, another game, and then they're back uh, the next week. Finally, finally, an actual home game at Audi Field, uh, Sunday, two p.m. against the Orlando Pride. So a, a rematch, a rematch. of their one-one draw. 
Yeah, so maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance for some rivalry there. I don't like Orlando fans. I'm the most hated podcast <laughs> in Orlando. That's there, true. There You're the a, we're there. a wanted man. Uh, Alex Morgan. I don't want to play the pride right now because Alex Morgan is 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 liquid yeah. magma on fire. So that is unfortunate. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if the international play starts. I don't know. I know that. Th- I know that uh, Sullivan, Sonnet, and, and O'Hara were were called up. I don't know when that starts, but I'm hoping somehow we miss Alex Morgan. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're the they're the they're the league leaders right now. Really funny with the standings. You have the the 2020 NWSL College uh, uh, not college challenge uh, challenge cup uh, champion Houston Dash bottom of the table. North Carolina, the perennial powers for the past few years, ninth. Uh, FC Kansas City, Portland Thorns are seventh right now. So I mean, it, it, there is it's early. It's it's very very early. I expect some of those to change. Yeah, but I tear mean, up it's, your preview. It, Tear up your preview. It didn't happen. <laughs> no one asked what your predictions were. I think North Carolina last week lost for the first time inside uh, in their home stadium. And I don't know if I don't it couldn't have been ever, but it was I, maybe yeah. it was ever. But it certainly it was a rare occasion for them. So this early season, I, I don't know if it was the long preseason that's sort of skewing it a little bit. Again, player movement, again, is a constant in this league. Team team physical movement. There's uh, it could be a lot of things. But overall, happy to see the spirit. I you know we were we were both tweeting through the game like this team needed some goals to fall because they are creating chances they're not being rewarded and if you do that over and over enough times you begin to feel like you're snake bitten and it's not going to happen for you and you know you could say what you want about mentality and a lot of these players I know Ashley Hatch we we talked to her in the preseason she's like I got a sports psychologist like I'm I'm you know I'm 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 processing these things at all time and I'm I'm preparing to have the right mindset no matter what the situation is in the game or with the fans but if you continually do not get rewarded for your hard work it begins to it begins to mess with you and and it's good that they got this opportunity in a, in a non great situation it is unfortunate that we're not going to have Andy for Sunday she is a yes. she is a she is she is pretty pivotal particularly in an 11-11 matchup where both teams are trying to score and i can tell you that OL Rain are going to try to score it is not going to be a bunker game for them so it's yep. uh, it would it would be better for us to have our defense at our full strength uh, and all of our assets but you got to do what you can do. I think if you if you manage to get out of that game with a draw, you are you're doing great. If this is a four point week, excellent, fantastic. Yeah. I don't know I don't know how they're going to come out to set up. I don't I don't see Richie Burke as the kind of player uh, kind of coach setting out for a draw even on the road. Uh, but we'll see. I we'll, we'll see in the lineup and then we'll see in the style of play what they what they're trying to do. But I'm excited to see it. So make sure you guys Paramount Plus on Sunday. Paramount Plus on Sunday, yes. I know it moves between Twitch, Paramount Plus, CBS. It, it moves all over the place. Uh, but definitely check that out. Uh, speaking of speaking of generating chances with no goals, uh, <laughs> DC United is going to have maybe a little bit more trouble uh, doing that. Uh, injury reports came out. Uh, we were all kind of waiting with, with bated breath about what was going to happen to uh, DC United's designated player, Edison Flores. He is out for six weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, the dreaded hamstring injuries. Everybody got your your hamstring injury bottle of alcohol to take a shot right now. <laughs> it used to be, um, it used to be sports hernias, and now it's hamstrings. It used to be sports hernias, yeah, now it's hamstrings. A um, couple, couple of things about this. So, I I think from a from a game perspective, and also Drew Skundritz also looks like he might be done for the year. I uh, might need meniscus surgery. Uh, that's a really really uh, bad loss for the team. A player who kind of really stepped up, um, and I and I felt did really really well. In that role, um, I, I will wife, say, and his wife knows about a meniscus injury too. That was what kept her out last year. So they, they, I'm sure he knows a good surgeon. I hope. I'm hoping. They, they, I think unless they've changed the news, they said they're going to give him ten days to see where it's at. Have they already announced mm-hmm. that he's going in for surgery? 
Uh, I think they say yeah. They they were gonna. I don't think it's been official yet. They're gonna see. But probably where, where usually meniscus yeah. unless you unless you've got a very very slight tear. Uh, they were they're they're probably just going to snip it and then I think you know full year potentially it could be could be two three months depends it really depends they won't know until they open him up really probably or you know not open him up they don't open his kneecap up but you know what I'm saying cut him open. Yeah, ho- hopefully it's not for the end of the year because I think he is on sort of a one year contract with an option. So I mean that that's got to be devastating for him. Uh, yeah, gets his chance. You know, has a has a ridiculous opportunity to start over and over and over again for an MLS team. Yeah, feel bad, feel yeah. bad for the guy. The week he's featured in the Washington Post again with his wife, uh, like a little <laughs> like it's, it was all coming up. Drew and then and then knee injury. Yeah, and uh, Edison Flores out for six out for six weeks. This one, I think, so uh, if, if if Edison Flores is going to get injured, it's a bad thing. Bad thing, regardless. You're 100. percent You were saying to me, but I will say. That from a DC perspective and match perspective, Edison Flores was going to be gone for six weeks with international duty. Now, it's not to say that I think it's a good thing that he got injured. Absolutely, 100% not. It's bad, bad, bad for a lot of reasons, especially because he was finally starting to gain, um, you know, some some momentum. He was finally starting to show at least some signs that maybe he's worth that $5 million price tag. And now it's kind of like almost like starting over again. Uh, he's going to be unable to sort of keep that fitness up uh, playing with the Peru national team. Uh, he's going to be unable to to train with DC, you know, for that for that time period. So basically, he's kind of a kind of starting over again, um, and that's really that's really sad, sad and really same. I think from from the DC perspective, I will say they showed in uh, Philadelphia that they can still generate chances. The real problem with this team right now is finishing, um, and they they can generate chances. And I think the next two games against Miami are very very winnable winnable games uh, without without Edison Flores. So I'm not worried about the next two games. I may be worried about this team in the future, what this team is going to look like. Um, I wonder if this changes any perspectives of what the team is going to do this summer. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the overall picture for DC. Yeah, I think it's good that Paul is back now. I think having yep. Paul and Julian to be able 100%. to figure out where you're going to play, uh, who you're going to put in that position, it gives it, you know, keeps Julian back in, on the right wing backside and, and lets Paul sort of float around and do his thing. I think if he gets hurt, like if he has any sort of like you know, and he's coming back from a long term layoff, and then also the weird stop and start season in, uh, uh, in in England, so I think that'll be something to watch. It will be this team. This team is now getting bodies back, but they really cannot afford. They need to. They need to sustain that amount of. They need to sustain their good players and let them be here and let them play. So hopefully, hopefully they can stay healthy. I think you know you mentioned these two games coming up. You know I think uh, four points for me would be. Would be your optimum scenario. I think that they're 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 certainly a team you match up well against. I don't think with our offensive woes at the moment, it's a hard bet to think that we're going to figure out how to outscore them twice. Um, but maybe you know maybe it, it could it could turn at any time, right? I think there's yeah the chances are being created, so it's really just a matter of luck, just like with the spirit, uh, getting some confidence and getting some some lucky bounces. But hopefully that's soon. Yeah. Hopefully that's this weekend. Hopefully, hopefully that's soon. Hopefully that's this weekend. Um, I'm curious, like what, like as far as a front three goes, I guess I'm thinking probably Adrian Perez, probably Paul Ariola. Who, who's your third guy out there at this point? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't. Does it, do maybe Jordi Reyna makes maybe I, mean, still I think he's gonna. I know. I, I bet you he comes off as a sub. I bet you after his layoff, they're gonna want to build him back. I, I I think maybe Yamil Assad makes his return. Maybe um, yeah, that might be your only option. Out. 
Yeah, that might be your only option. Here's your here's your chance, Emil. Go for it. So yeah, I mean, you we'll know, see. In, it, a, in an optimal that front situation, going to be one to watch again. So yeah, I mean, it's better to have that. And it's so weird, isn't it? Weird that Adrian Perez is now just like a the name, first name on the team sheet from that perspective. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, obviously he starts. Like, of course, of course he does. And it's true right now. You can't take him off the field because of the he's. He is not scoring goals, and I and I think you and I both had an issue with uh, his shot selection against Philadelphia. But he's doing everything that Hernan Hernan wants, uh, and he just like Drew was like he, he these are system players. These are guys that are he's like here are nine things, here are five things you got to do, and they're doing them all to a T. So coaches love players that do what they tell them to do. <laughs> I I think I think I think this is an op- an opportunity for him. Um, he becomes now that him and Paul become kind of that focal point. They need to be the ones generating those chances and, and figuring out how to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and you've got a good opportunity against a very, very, very suspect defense uh, in Miami. Uh, Ryan Shorecross, I'm sure, is a is a is a fine player, uh, but uh, going up against the humidity. The only real problem, the only real thing that concerns me about Miami is Federico Higuain. Other than that, I'm not worried about. Maybe Gonzalo Higuain. But I think I think he is going to have a huge problem with DC's press. I, I think DC's press is going to give him nightmares um, on on Saturday if they Good. bring that, Hope if so. they bring that style. Federico Iguain is the only one that really concerns me of the of the players out there. Uh, no one else on that team. They're playing Breck Shea out there. I'm sorry, they got Breck Shea starting. I'm really not worrying. Like I I think this is I think four points is is would be good. Out of these next two matches against Miami, I I think this team is very could very possibly walk out of here with six points. They could win in, win on the road against Miami. They can have to, a whole two weeks and then they come back home and, and take 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 three more points. Um, so I I, I think we're going to see a, a much better summer, even Sands, um, Sands, uh, uh, Flores. Edison Flores, because the schedule is getting a little better. So, uh, but I think. Go go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say I'm trying to remember. I made a bet when we were doing this. The thing. We're, oh, I, I bet a draw. <laughs> so maybe when I think we're talking four points, I think maybe the maybe the draw is away and the win is at home. That's mostly what I'm thinking. That's probably 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 a fair bet there. Um, all right, folks. I think that's gonna do it for the show. Uh, but stick uh, do it for our segment reviewing the Spirit Game. Uh, stick around. I'm not sure what our like preview sections are gonna look like for the game. Uh, for doing Instagram Live, we're gonna maybe give Twitter Something. spaces another. We'll do something. We'll figure out something. Uh, But definitely check out our preview of the Miami game that's coming up next. Uh, Thank you, guys. And uh, enjoy. Yeah, let's enjoy that. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFU Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here. And we are joined by a very, very special guest, uh, Franco Panizzo. Uh, he is the founder of the Miami uh, Total Football podcast covering all things Inter-Miami and a beat writer for SBI Soccer. Uh, Franco, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Apologies for the delay. The Europa <laughs> League final got me a little caught up there. I lost track of time. <laughs> yeah, we're. I think we're all kind of wa- excited watching it. I, I set this uh, interview for, for, for 5.30 thinking, oh, it'll be over by then, surely. Surely it'll be over by then, but apparently this is a, a never-ending uh, penalty kick final. No, I think if um, we if we waited, we would probably have to record this on Friday because I think I think they're just going to keep doing loops now. I think that's how it's going to go. We might have to record. We might have to record after. There the you game go. On Saturday You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's uh let, let's get into it for uh, let's get into Franco. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Inter Miami. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I if I had to put a if I had to put a number on it, I, I think uh, Inter Miami came into the league and they were like, okay. 
you know how like there've been some tumultuous like openings for like teams. We're going to top all of that because oh good gracious <laughs> uh was the first year obviously coming in the middle of the pandemic which uh is, is never is never fun. Um never fun to have a a global once in a lifetime pandemic interrupt your your inaugural season. Um, then you had right. a, a disappointing season, I guess, compared to expectations. You had a coach, your your former coach, whose name escapes me um, at the moment, said, uh, went to a meeting that went so bad he thought he'd been fired. Then they said, no, he hasn't been fired. And then uh, Beckham goes and hires one of his 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 uh, his old chums in Phil Neville. Uh, then you guys mm-hmm. uh, get slapped by the league. What like what is happening right now with Miami? I feel like it's like. It, what's the next shoe to drop? Like, what is, is there going to be like uh, five DPS? Is is Latan going to come onto the pitch as like a an unregistered sub? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm I have no clue what's next for this team. Well, yeah, it, it hasn't been the smoothest of sailing for Inter Miami since they've begun. A lot, a lot of missteps, a lot of issues. I think a lot of it goes back to the initial year, the inaugural year, and they're still trying to work their way out of that. Um, but you know, you know, they're still, they're still waiting to find out what happens with what I call and what I've been dubbing as Matuidi gate, mm-hmm. which is, you know, obviously them having four DPs and, and the punishment that is bound to happen. MLS has obviously announced at the beginning of the season or announced at the beginning of the season that there would be sanctions coming. Don Garber said at halftime of the season opener here in South Florida, that announcements would come within the next week. And well, obviously they still have not. So uh, we're still waiting to see what happens for Inter Miami in that regard. But I, I mean, I've been of the belief I've said it on the podcast. I've said it on Twitter and in my coverage, I, I fully expect it to be a pretty, a pretty, well, I expect the hammer to come down pretty hard on Inter Miami because if, if MLS has gone to the trouble of making this a very public thing, then I don't expect, I don't think it'll just be a fine or anything of like, I think there will be more severe punishments coming. You're get relegated Franco. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have a friend. I did have a buddy that's like, oh, they're going to lose points, relegation, relegation. Just joking, obviously. Can't get relegated in MLS. But, um, I mean, a points deduction would be would be massive, I think. It would be interesting because I don't, I don't believe. And, I, I mean, I'd have to go back and really check. But I don't believe that's ever happened in MLS. They'll wait till so, you guys. They'll wait um, till well, it's like five games left in the season. Then they'll dock you 25 points. But like, like what? Like, and I'm saying, like, it's maybe that you guys are like 12th in the in the table or something already out of it. They'll be like, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, 100 point deduction. You're super last place. <laughs> that that'll be the move. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what Don Garber says, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my my family are are season ticket holders. I have friends that are season ticket holders. I'm obviously born and raised in, in the South Florida area. I'm a proud South Floridian. Um, but I know you guys keep saying you guys, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the team. I, you know, I just cover the team. I do really like their colors. Me too. I do really like their their logo. But but I'm not a fan of the team. Um, I don't consider myself a fan of the team. So, uh, yeah, no, not you guys. Not you guys. <laughs> what? So what would you if you're Don Garber and, and you're trying to hand down a punishment? I mean, are you just going with a points deduction? What What do you think would be like a a a fair punishment for for this? Because it. Uh, it essentially, I mean, it didn't necessarily turn out very successful for Inner Miami. I mean, they barely made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. just because you cheat uh, badly, Ted, doesn't mean you get off punishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but so what, what would you assess as sort of a, a a fair punishment for for this? Is it allocation money, points deductions, like you said? Well, if you're Don Garber, what do you what do you do? So I mean, that's what I've heard is the holdup, and that's what they're trying to figure out is what is a, an appropriate punishment for this. 
obviously it's part, largely unprecedented or it's just is unprecedented. Again, I don't recall this in, in my 10 plus years of covering MLS and I don't, from my knowledge of history of Major League Soccer, I don't think anything like this has happened before. So, I mean, wh- what I think could be a possibility and I've, I've mentioned this is because I, I didn't think a points deduction would, would do it. I thought a points deduction, given that it happened last season, I thought that would be more fitting to have, you know, take points during the actual season. It happens. I think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the idea of, of punishing them retroactively, you know, especially when the coach and the sporting director that are in charge now were not in charge of that a year ago. So um, while I could see that being the case, you know, I, I thought a transfer ban in addition to a fine or a loss of allocation money would, would make sense. Uh, you know, you maybe one window, the summer window or, uh, an off-season window, the the winter window, you you stop the team from from being able to sign anyone from abroad. Maybe in MLS, you would still allow them to make moves because um, an outright transfer ban or an outright acquisition ban is it, pretty tough to to get through in MLS given how how the structure of the league is. So um, yeah, I think an international transfer ban would make sense in addition to maybe some allocation money loss and uh and maybe you know a personal fine as well from the ownership yeah international ban will hurt them where they where they sit because that's the type of player that they're looking to bring in so that's (laughs) if you're if they're gonna bother some way right right. i think yeah no splashy names yeah i think i think yeah i think that makes the most sense just because obviously this is you know they had four dps they were all four international players they they're a team that wants to go into the international market most teams in major league soccer at this point are, are tapping into the to the foreign market in some way, shape or form, be it, you know, spending a lot or spending a little bit. So I think that would make sense. And I think it would make a big statement while also not completely handicapping inter Miami, which is a team that, I mean, if we're being honest, is one of the bigger flashier teams in major league soccer. And, you know, we've seen the treatment that the LA galaxy have gotten in the past. And um, I, I would expect them that they want to punish inter Miami, but they don't want to completely, ruin their chances of, of being somewhat competitive because they know that at the end of the day, the Inter-Miami brings them a lot of attention. It's true. Uh, Ted made an earlier mention about what's coming next, and he mentioned an unregistered sub. And I feel like as a DC United podcast, we should never mention <laughs> unregistered subs because <laughs> we're the only people to have done that in the last few yeah. years in MLS, unfortunately. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, let's let's talk about your, your coach, Phil Neville. I think that was an interesting hire. Uh, comes from the English women's national team where he left under, I would say, not necessarily a cl- not necessarily a cloud, but I think there were some. I think he made some comments about uh, the job and about how sort of he was waiting for his next bigger job in, a, in the men's game, basically, of sort of the the implication. Uh, how has he settled into the club, uh, and what it, what you know, what are the takeaways from sort of his, uh, the way he wants to set his team up and play, and uh, if he has the pieces that he wants to be able to do what he wants to do. So I had a question similar to this on, on, on the podcast this week from a, a fan, a listener, and they asked me something similar. What, what is the takeaway or how do I rate the film level and his coaching staff? And I mean, I don't like, I'm not a person that likes to sit on the fence or, or, or not give a direct answer, but at this point, I think it's too early to really tell. I mean, in the preseason, he came out saying he wanted a high pressing possession based team and they have not been that. I asked him actually maybe a couple weeks ago or maybe a few weeks ago, you know, about that because the team wasn't playing in that manner. And, and he said, look, the player profiles that we've got, you know, sometimes you've got to adjust as a coach. So they have adjusted and they have not been a possession based team. They've been more kind of a, of a counter attacking team. 
But even with that, the performances, some of the most recent performances have been pretty poor. The team is struggling really to build out and, and struggling in, in the face of a high press. So if I'm DC United and I've watched some game film I'm and I'm Hernan Lozada, I'm completely high pressing into Miami um, over, over the weekend because they haven't shown an ability to be able to play through, through pressure on a consistent basis. Um, but uh, you know, as for Phil Neville, I think the, the jury's still out as to what he can do. Again, there's a lot of players he has on this team that don't necessarily fit the way he wants to play, surely. And, like, you know, you know how it works in MLS. When new coaches come in, it takes a transfer window, two, three, to really get rid of pieces that you have on your roster that you might not want and then to bring in the ones that you do want. So I would say he's ha- he's, he's shown some good things as well tactically. You know, he's made the defense slightly better there's been a dip in in that in those performances as of late but a little bit more organized defensively a little bit tighter defensively with with more signings coming on the way in the summer um but the the attack has been lacking but that's also something that we saw last year so it's still to be determined what what his uh what his overall rating i think ernan does not know anything but high press so i think that that no matter who the team is that's <laughs> just the way he's gonna set it up um yeah, enter Miami's well, in trouble. No, maybe so. I, I think, too, you were talking about the players maybe not fitting the style. Are, are you saying Gonzalo Higuain's not good as a high-press forward? Are you saying he's not a <laughs> he's not an active uh, active pressing defensive forward? That's uh, surprising to me. Um, what? Go ahead. Well, that, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. No, that, that's that's spot on. Um, it's actually one of the first questions I had for, and you mentioned this earlier, the former head coach Diego Alonso last year when they signed Gonzalo Higuain because Diego Alonso was a coach that, like to high press. He said that publicly. You would see it in games. He would try to high press, even though it looked a little bit disorganized at times. And I asked him, I think that was one of the first questions I asked him. I was like, you know, you like to high press and you're getting Gonzalo Higuain, who's a player who's older in his career, who's not a player that's been high energy. So how does that affect your ability to press? And, you know, he, he gave me a, a pretty diplomatic answer. And um, But you saw with that, you know, last season, and you've seen it this season, Gonzalo Higuain does not press. He just does not press often or or much at all like you'll, on occasion you'll have he'll have like bits of energy and he'll try but it's few and far between and because of that inter miami has you know somebody else has to pick up the workload and it, for me it kind of has a, a trickle down effect and it doesn't allow the team to to really be good in the press defensively which is why they've had to you know maybe sit sit in a more defensive posture and try to defend uh, as an organized and cohesive group, as opposed to to high pressing up the field to try to win turn win the ball and, and, and get turnovers. I believe up the field. I believe what us uh, larger gentlemen who play sports call it. He's being economical with his runs. He's he's <laughs> keeping them in reserve. Uh, just as a quick aside, uh, former DC United legend Federico Iguain, uh He mm-hmm. of he of like six sub appearances. Uh, actually, appears to have a role with with uh, with Inter Miami. Seems to be. Uh, linking up with his brother has started, I believe, one of the one of your early games, and he hadn't started, I think, since 2019. Before that, uh, how is he looking? Uh, obviously, he is an addition, uh, an addition to his brother, another elderly gentleman from Argentina. Uh, but he is, he has a bit of magic still. I think that's undeniable when uh, when you watched him in his brief time with DC, but also in in his in his spell at, at with Miami. What's uh what's the read on him so far? Yeah, he's had actually a very good season. I mean, this last game, notwithstanding the last game, he was probably his worst game. But again, the team in general was was very poor. Um, by the way, Villarreal has won on penalty kicks, so spoiler. David De Gea, De Gea missed the penalty, was... right? Goalie on goalie. 
I didn't see the that's what it was. So I was focused. I'm focused. Okay, okay. Goalie on goalie on goalie yep. crime. Um, no, but so so Federico's arguably been the best player for Inter Miami this season. He's, he initially started off with a super sub role and was starting to make a difference. Looked a, looked livelier and moved the ball better than Rodolfo Pizarro, who's been playing as predominantly the number ten for Inter Miami since dating back to last year. I had thought after the first couple of sub appearances or the first three, I was, I was fully on board with saying that Federico Iguain needed to start given how, how much his performances were making an impact and how Rolfo Pizarro was struggling. And he eventually did get into the starting lineup. He, he showed some good things against FC Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, but then again, against Chicago fire, he, he struggled a bit, you know, Phil Neville, we had asked him about, about Federico, maybe a week and a half ago now. And he said something along the lines of given where he, he is at, at, at this point in his career, he's 36 years old. Um, they've had to work him harder. Now there's, there's older players that maybe their bodies can't handle uh, an increased workload, but Federico apparently can, and they've, they've given him uh, more work in practice and since preseason to try to maintain and raise his level. So it looks like that's worked because he's he's played well, he's shown well, and I think many people would say he's been arguably the the best player for Inter Miami at this early point in the season. Obviously, we're still only a few weeks in, but he's definitely. I mean, if he's not the best player of the of the season for Inter Miami, he's definitely in, in in the podium, top three for sure. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how how he's his talents and his skills. I mean, it was the same way with DC when he would come onto the field there was a noticeable change in, in how well that team played. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mm-hmm. kind of sad to see him go. I, 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 I kind of wonder maybe how he would do um, under, under, uh, un- oh my under goodness. Lasada. Lasada. Thank you. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, how he would do under he's, Lasada. He's watching, he's watching the penalty game. He's watching the penalty game. Yes. <laughs> he's going to dub, he Ted's going to dub Hernan Lasada like a, like a, like a, like <laughs> <laughs> No man, I'm gonna leave it in, man. I'll people uh, people people need to know your words and all. Uh, Lasada as, oppo- as opposed to Olsen. but um, uh, you mentioned that uh, Federico Iguain has kind of replaced Rodolfo Pizarro. Uh, he's sort of the next player I want to talk about. I mean, I, I feel like we're just gonna hit on sure. your uh, on the designated players for this team because you know they they were relatively when they were announced were big signings and Pizarro was one of those. And it just seems like it really hasn't worked out. Is it a is it a case of uh, being misused? Is it a case of uh, just not fitting with the players? Is it a coaching issue? What, what, what do you contend is sort of the issue? Uh, get into the head of, of, of Pizarro and why it's not working out. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's it's tough because, you know, given how, how things are with Zoom right now and not being able to, to talk to players regularly, and, um, you know, players being designated for interviews X amount of times uh, a month or a season, it's, it's hard to really get answers as to what's going on with him. But if like you said, let's let's if I was to get in his head or try to give you my analysis from the outside, I would say there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things going on with Rodolfo Pizarro. He was brought on, let's start with last year. He was brought on by Diego Alonso. They had a, a tight relationship. Diego Alonso had coached them twice before at two different teams in Mexico before Pizarro came to Miami. So Alonso was like, Hey, I want him on my team. Let's make it happen. He was he was the the big first big signing, uh, you know, quote, quote, if you want to consider him a big signing in terms of, of just like the caliber in Mexican international. But, you know, he, he started well last year and then he kind of, his form kind of dipped. 
Obviously, this season it just hasn't really clicked at all, and he's he's struggled for some time now to have a, a really influential game or a game where he really leaves a stamp on things. Maybe the game against the LA Galaxy at the start of the year that was a solid one for him, but again, it's just been very inconsistent, and he hasn't really influenced games like like you would need from a DP player, especially when he's playing as your number ten. I'm of the belief I've said this time and time again. I don't think he's a number ten. I think playing him there is not. To, to the best of his abilities. I don't think he has the vision nor the qualities to be a, a number 10. I think, you know, maybe throwing him at, on the out on the left as an inverted winger or dropping him into an eight role. I think those spots would better fit the, the qualities that he has because I just don't see him as a 10. Now, what, what, you know, I think there's a bunch of things, like I said before, I think maybe he's lacking motivation or there's lack of confidence as well, or he's not feeling at home either in South Florida or on the team. Again, I don't, I don't know. It's just what I, I perceive uh, my, my pod mate, Steve Brenner, who unfortunately could not make it on here today has reported that Inter Miami does want to move him, that they do not rate him. This current regime does not rate Rodolfo Pizarro. And that's, that's something that, that, you know, we've kind of seen in, in the last couple of weeks, obviously this past week, he was out with a reported uh, mild injury. That, that's what the team said. But the week before, he was dropped from the lineup completely um, because you know he he uh, they they just wanted to go with Federico Iguain and, and give that give see that look on the field. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they can do with him. I don't I can't imagine his market value is really high right now. I can't imagine there's too many teams clamoring to to sign him. But I would imagine that his time with Inter Miami comes to a close sooner rather than later because his performances just haven't haven't been there, especially. Like you guys know, you guys have followed MLS for a while. You need your number ten to to really perform in Major League Soccer, especially if it's a designated player. You need that. You need that player to to perform on an almost weekly basis, a very consistent basis. And for Inter Miami, that just you wouldn't know anything about that here in DC. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very on. You had, you had a you know you had a Wayne Rooney in there. I know he's not a ten, but you know he, that, he performed and he he made it, his things it is true since then it's been a bit more of a rocky road but yeah absolutely you're right i think that's the, that's the way that mls roster the roster construction sort of lends itself you have to you have to get value out of that those cash positions let's talk about uh so inner yeah. inner had a game they would like to forget most likely against chicago or at least uh your goalie mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or mr mr mccarthy had a, had a game he'd like to forget um coming off of that that obviously dc dc beat chicago by the same scoreline in the reverse um it was one nothing, right, Ted? I'm 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 now forgetting everything. Yes, correct. Yes. correct uh, yes. So, coming off of that, I imagine they're they're out for blood here. That's a game that they would probably would not have thought they should have lost. Uh, what uh, what is the team looking at going into this game? Are they uh, generally pretty healthy? Are they ready to? Uh, I want to know how scared to be as a DC United fan. How much is this team out to be out for blood after after sort of an embarrassing loss against a pretty bad team in Chicago? I imagine they'll be chomping at the bit and what will help them and what will not necessarily help DC United is that this weekend's game here in South Florida at drive pink stadium will be the first one that is operating at full capacity since in it well, ever. <laughs> so for the first time in, 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 in the team's short history, it'll be the first time they'll have the stadium uh, at full capacity. I don't know if, I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but this, the stadium will be fully open. So there should be as big of a turnout as there's ever been for an, an Inter-Miami MLS game. Now, as for what to expect on the field from the team, again, I I think that they'll be upset. They, they, 
They are healthier now than they have been in a while. They just lost Rob, Robbie Robinson again, the, the young left winger who re-aggravated his, his left hamstring apparently over the weekend. So he's probably a scratch, but uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Pires, he's, he's healthy, but he's a scratch due to yellow card accumulation, the, the MLS veteran. But besides that, everyone else should be, should be healthy and available. As far as we know today, Wednesday, um, tomorrow we'll be able to attend practice and we'll have availability with Phil Neville and a couple of the players. So we'll know more tomorrow but as of right now you know you can expect a, a fairly healthy team that's almost at full strength and that will be looking to make amends or bounce back from that poor performance in Chicago but again I think you know unless they unless Phil Neville has come up with a, a, a masterful plan B for how to build out I think Inter Miami is going to have difficulties because they haven't shown really into the last two games much of how to, much of much of anything from a performance standpoint is it's been really pretty lackluster now they, they were able to to build out against FC Cincinnati they didn't play as direct they they made sure to force the issue even under pressure and it worked but that is FC Cincinnati we're talking about that you know and, and I don't think anyone that's followed MLS for the last two seasons in change has any uh, misconceptions about FC Cincinnati being you know a, a pretty low quality team in in the league so um, yeah, again, if DC United can press them, I think DC United, you know, will, will set themselves up for success unless Inter Miami can come up with a way to, to make things work from the run of play uh, in a different way, because from, from with hype, with the high press, they've struggled. And, you know, even when they try to play long and direct, just, it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't worked. They don't win 50, 50 balls uh, consistently enough. They don't win second balls consistently enough and, and, and they've struggled by and large. So uh, we'll, we'll see what their game plan is. I'm very curious to see how they approach the game because I think there are question marks about certain players like Blaze Matuidi um, at this point in, in his career. So uh, we'll see, we'll see how Inter Miami approaches the game. Maybe we'll get some more answers tomorrow. Yeah. I, th- I, I, uh, I, I contend that Cincinnati is like the Orlando the the new Orlando in the case that they're always ever they're now going to be like everybody's sleeper pick oh they they could they could surprise some people look at all the money they're spending and they're just a, a disaster so yeah um, don't listen to our preview show we did with uh, Cincy Soccer Talk after oh before, yeah they were all don't listen to that <laughs> there's no, certainly no evidence of us being optimistic about that team whatsoever um, but uh, talk, talking a little bit about the about the stadium situation in, in Miami um, obviously you guys have a, a temporary uh, facility. Um, out there in Fort Lauderdale, um, I, I I find it kind of funny that your USL two team is a better representation of where you play than your than your MLS team, which is which is it's usually the exact opposite. Looking at you, Bethlehem Steel um, FC. Uh, but so talk. So is there? I, I remember the stadium was supposedly the the deal was done. The you know everything was going to happen. Then it hit some hangups. What is the? I know there's a whole plan for like a downtown stadium. This is not meant to be like a permanent facility um, for uh, for Inter Miami. Uh, what is the latest on that? If if is there movement? Is there uh, is that something that's going to be started soon, or where, is there a holdup in in the ever ever crazy Miami politics? Yeah, so it seems like the latter. It seems like there is a holdup. Seems like they're trying to figure out the final details. Co-owner Jorge Mas, who's a who's a local guy, told us back in February that in four to six weeks they expected the, a deal to be done so that they could present to the to the city commissioners 
or the county commissioners, and that didn't happen. So when we spoke to him again in early April, he said similarly, t- similar timeline, four to six weeks, 45 to 60 days, still has not happened. You know, they've released renderings, new renderings as of late, which are nice and pretty. You know, anytime you see MLS stadium renderings, it's always mm-hmm. nice to look at. <laughs> but but I would imagine that, I imagine that there's still a bit of a ways away, regardless of what's being said publicly, because they still haven't gotten there. And even just even getting to to this next step doesn't guarantee anything. They still have to get the the votes from the from the local government. So I think it's a good ways away. Um, I think where they are in Fort Lauderdale is not not bad. I mean, obviously, it's a temporary home. That's what they they keep saying. But I don't. I think it's. I mean, it's where they're going going to train even long term, even when they start playing games in Miami, if and when that happens. So um, it, it's not a bad solution or not a bad. Uh, fix for now but we'll, we'll see what happens on that front because yeah we, we know how, how tough the politics in, in Miami can be and look I, I think what hasn't helped them as well is, is the pandemic mm-hmm. right so that that kind of put a halt to their plans and has kind of changed the landscape a little bit because everything you know economically has has taken a, a, a hit or been impacted so I think that that has definitely affected things or slowed things down and made things a little more difficult for them in that regard but We'll see. They, they, they continue to be optimistic publicly. Um, but as we know, as you guys know, it does take time, even in, in cities or in markets where the, where, the, where the governments are more willing or it's, it's a little bit easier to, to maneuver in. Even then, it, takes, it can take a, a pretty long time. So I remember going to DC United Games at RFK <laughs> before, being able, before being able to switch to, to Audi Field, which I think is, is a, nice, a nice little stadium there. But um, we'll see what happens. They, 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 they remain optimistic. We'll see. I think it's going to take some time, though. City, city politics are always easy. Come on. What are you talking about? doesn't take 20 <laughs> years to get to get a stadium deal done. Does your guy have a machete? Uh, I, uh, that, that's, uh, that was a key <laughs> element for us on our victory. Uh, I don't think they have a machete. We got no, I think that's better. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's more on brand for the locale than, than uh, saying a machete. Whatever. It worked out, I guess. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we, we, know about sort of the big, the big name players on your team, Blaze Matweedy, you've talked about, um, who, who's a player maybe that you think, uh, doesn't maybe get the attention, uh, that, that he, that he, that he deserves, uh, on the roster. Who, who's a player, maybe an up and coming player that, that you think, uh, fans, uh, DC fans watching this game should, should look out for. So I will say, I'm going to give you two. And one is a fairly recent signing, so MLS as a whole is not that familiar with him. Inter Miami fans are still getting to know him, but I've liked what I've seen from him. I think he was he'd also be in that podium of top three players for Inter Miami on the season so far, and that is Gregory, who is the Brazilian defensive midfielder, the number six for Inter Miami that they signed this this off season. I think he's played and shown some interesting things. Not maybe not the best passer at times, but hard nose makes his presence felt someone that that sporting director chris henderson wanted when he was with the seattle sounders when he was in the front office of the seattle sounders um he comes from bahia in brazil and and he's shown some good things he's at a good point in his career i think he's 26 27 the exact number escapes me at the moment but he's he's in that in that window or in that time frame so um someone that should be hitting his prime over the next few years and I've liked what I've seen for him so far. I think it's only going to get better as he gets more used to MLS and more used to his surroundings and teammates and, and Phil Noble's tactics. 
And the other one I would say is someone that was around last year that had very good moments, but also some poor moments. But this year has shown pretty well as well. When he has played, he's just come off an injury, and that's veteran defender, versatile veteran defender, Nicolas Figal. He can play right back. He can play center back. He's more of a natural center back. I think maybe we'll see him there this weekend, given Leandro Gonzalez Pires's suspension. But there's also a chance he could play right back where he helped make the difference against the Philadelphia Union in, in, in their Miami's Week 2 victory. I, I, I really like what I've seen from him dating back to last year. Again, he's had some mistakes. He's had some issues. I actually did a feature on him at the start of this season. In preseason, I spoke to him, had a, a good, nice chat with him, and he said things affected him off the field last year that, that hurt his level, um, but that he was fully focused and coming into this year with a completely different approach. And, you know, I, so far we've seen that on the field by and large, and Phil Neville has raved about him, raved about him on more than one occasion, and he's called him an out-and-out winner and loves his mentality, and uh, I think we'll see more of that as long as he can stay healthy because, again, he, he suffered like a hamstring tweak uh, before the week three game against Nashville, I believe, and he just came back from that by playing in, his, in the second half against the Chicago Fire. I thought he was one of the very few players for Inter Miami that really, really showed something. So I would, I would say him and Gregory. Again, not, these aren't young players necessarily. These are players that are more, uh, a little bit more experienced that are in their, in their late 20s maybe. But I think that they're, they're both players that MLS fans will become more familiar with as the season goes on because they're two players that have some pretty good quality to them. All right, Franco. Well, uh, we're coming towards the end uh, of the show, but before you leave, uh, so let's look at the money line, and, and you seem pretty down on Miami's chances. So I'm looking at the plus three seventy five money line for DC to win, and I'm thinking that might be a pretty good bet. Uh, so let's get a let's get a prediction, uh, and 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 we people can use that as betting advice for MLS uh, based on your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you know, I, I call it like I see it, and right now, Inter Miami's in a bad way, in my opinion. In the two of the last three games, they've they've been shut out. They've gotten in two of those three games, finished with one shot on target. The other game they won in the final minutes, three to two against FC Cincinnati. So they're not in a good way right now. I and I think the function of the team is not in a good way. I think, however, that having I don't know again, I don't know if it'll be a sellout crowd, but having as many fans as as has been in Dry Pink Stadium, I think that will help. I think that'll push them on to, to put up a little bit more fights than they did against the Chicago Fire when the mentality and the effort were admittedly by their own admission not there or not to the levels that they needed it at. So I'm going to say they'll be better, but I'm not sure if they win. I think a draw. 1-1 draw with DC United. Maybe 2-2, but you know, obviously I'm not going to hedge my bet. So I'll just say 1-1 one, one, one draw with, with DC United this, this weekend. Our guest steals my bet. And my and my prediction. That's uh. I'm going unacceptable. <laughs> this team has shown an incredible ability to to shut out opponents um, offensively. I I'm, I know that you guys have a lot of talent. I'm sure I'll eat these words, and Gonzalo Higuain will, will punish, and especially Federico Higuain could punish DC because he, he's not none too happy with the team. I'm going a one nothing uh, DC United victory. I think I'm, I'm I'm thinking we pick up three points here. You just like those odds. Uh, I think it was plus two forty for a draw, so that's where I feel comfortable. I think I think one one <laughs> one one's reasonable. DC does not give up a lot of goals now. After again the game that we do not mention in San Jose or Columbus, <laughs> we don't mention either of those <laughs> games now. Uh, but they they're they're playing defensively well. Teams are having a real a real problem establishing the offense against them, but uh, they're also not scoring very well anymore. So I think one one yeah. one one seems reasonable. 
We'll lock it up. All right, uh, Franco. Bef- I, I think I think I said two one on my podcast, and I'm saying one one. So now you're now covering I'm, all I'm, your bases. You're, saying, you can't be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I I normally like to predict the day of the game once I see the lineups because once you know once you see the lineups, there could be surprises, and that can obviously alter things. But you should do it. You'll um, have your third. You'll have your losing. third prediction if you do that. That'll be you'll definitely hit it. <laughs> Uh, I don't see them losing. There you go. How about that? I don't see them losing this 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 weekend. I still have to figure out if I want if I think they'll win or if I think they'll they'll draw. Because um, I obviously said a draw here and then I win on my <laughs> podcast. So um, I just don't think I don't think they'll lose with the crowd behind them. With with the, the I think they'll they'll show some more fight. Um, and I think DC United also has its its issues that that will make for a, a decent matchup for Inter Miami in that regard. So uh, yeah, I, don't, I just don't see Inter Miami losing losing at home in this one. But I could be wrong. I also predicted four zero win against the chicago fire um and that yeah that predicting a four goal win is i love it that is extreme that's extreme i i I thought they would you know with the confidence boosting victory in cincinnati i thought you know and chicago was in a bad way i was like you know that montreal game was probably just a one-off for them they're gonna they're gonna click they're gonna piece it all together now and go on a roll and obviously that did not happen they reverted back to to the to if I said that on this show, there's no way that I wouldn't go into my app and put five dollars on what I assume is like plus a thousand odds to win for nothing. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to back that up with some cash so I would be rich if I was also being ballsy. Uh, yeah, I'm not a betting guy. I'm not a betting guy, so uh, you know, I just I just make predictions. That's all. That's fair. I wasn't until this year. It's a it's a dangerous game. It's a very slippery slope. Yeah, and my, as I always say that uh, my uh, the feeling of losing money outweighs my feeling of winning money Fair enough. so um i just i just don't bet i just don't bet i try not to all right franco uh thanks again for joining us uh tell the good people if they want to read up if they want to listen maybe a little more detail about inner miami uh where can they where can they find you and where can they uh where can they listen yeah so um i obviously write for sbisoccer.com i've been doing that for a long time uh, even back to the days when I was covering the Red Bulls, one of your guys' favorite teams, I know. <laughs> and uh, so I, my, all my writing is on, or most of my writing is on SBISoccer.com. When I moved back down to South Florida at the start of, or before the start of last season, I decided to start a podcast and a YouTube channel, which both go under Miami Total Football, and football is written in the, in the Spanish language way, F-U-T-B-O-L. So I put up videos on, on a pretty regular basis. Not I wouldn't say daily, but multiple times throughout the week press conferences my analysis my my takes as well as the podcast which comes out once a week uh on early in the weeks mondays or tuesdays so yeah man i'm I'm like i I came down and i was like i'm gonna be i'm gonna do a little bit of everything i'm gonna do a little bit of some video do some audio and do some uh do some writing because this day and age yeah you know there's different types of fans that like to consume the sport in different ways so um try to be a, a triple threat obviously on twitter at franco panizo but yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. So this team has not been boring, that's for sure. So there's been plenty to talk about and chew on from. Uh, we got to get on your. You got to get on your YouTube level. This is serious. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them a subscribe. Oh, just, yeah. No, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, um, we got to the point where we can have ads Ooh. now on Miami Total Football. Ooh. So, so that's a that's a nice little little plus. But I mean, it's 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 still just just sure extra like, change car there, payment to, to pay the toll. <laughs> Lambo. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I right? Wish. I wish. No, it's just, it's just to pay the toll on 995 on the way to That's the stadium. Nice. Anyway, thanks for coming on. We appreciate <laughs> it, and uh, let's hope for a good game, if nothing else. 
Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me on. This was a, a good fun talk, a good fun yeah. soccer talk, and hopefully we can do it again later in the year when uh, when these two teams meet again. Yeah, it's the next game, my friend. Yeah. It's literally the game. <laughs> See you next week, Franco. It's like the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring Steve. Good. I'll bring there Steve. you go. Sounds Steve. good. Thanks. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. All right, uh, guys. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, we will catch you guys on Monday. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.